Hello, and welcome to Reviews from the Crawl Space, episode 53. And on this show, we review three albums from an inherited collection at random. But is that all of them? I think that's all of them. That's all the stuff that we do. And and I know also another thing, you're Vicky. And you're Douglas. I am, sometimes. And he sounds like that's really how he talks, the way he opened this show. Yeah. He talks like <laughs> yeah. He talks like that's that that's all the normal. Time. Yeah, the voice I'm doing right now, fake. Fake. Yeah. Yeah. I've been working on it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that sounds about right. We've been together twenty years. Truth is out there. Taking him about lo- that long to perfect this. Yeah, perfect, perfect this. Perfect this duck. The lispy, pasty mess mess that's going on in my mouth right now. <laughs> all, all right. right. Wow. Hey, follow us on the. The Apples, the iTunes, the Googles, the Spotify's, the Anchors. The Inst- oh, I made a list of all the places that the, the Instagrams. Were, so oh, okay. we're on Anchor FM. Anchor I Anchor FM. Yeah, Breaker. Oh, Breaker. Okay. Um, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public. Okay. Spotify and Apple. Okay, right on. Look so, at us. If you, if, the, all if those... any of those are your favorite. Platforms, we're there. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we have all those places, and we get five listeners on <laughs> Better than our YouTube. Channel. Better YouTube. Yeah, YouTube was terrible. Zero. Way better. We've had we've had probably twenty times the amount of oh for listeners sure. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> um, on the podcast as we did the YouTube channel. So, and Tim, we know that twenty times zero is still zero now. <laughs> we're moving on up. <laughs> yeah, we are. And to the east side. And speaking of that, I just want to finish up with the Instagrams. It's just reviews from the crawl space as one word. Yeah. We're there. Uh, I post, the, our back catalog is there. And you can also see the album covers. They actually take photos of all the, the stuff that we review. So that's all there. And actually, that's a little easier to manage our collection. Because then I can just go back from there and actually just listen to or link to. I think some of the links are to YouTube as well. Yeah, from when we were doing YouTube channels. So if you want to see our hideous faces for some reason or how stupid, really stupid the beginning episodes were, go check it out. <laughs> yeah. It's been work in progress. Yeah, yes, we've been doing this for a while. And uh, Twitter, RFTCS1. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting better with that. Yeah, I know. I always <laughs> I, have to I don't want to yeah, don't overthink it. Just say it <laughs> and hope it's right. I write it on the top of the page every oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I see that now. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm not good with that stuff. Okay, well, speaking of that stuff, what do we got? Okay, this episode, we're talking about Pink Floyd's album, A Nice Pair, well, which is actually two albums. Two albums. Um, Mott the Hoople, All the Young Dudes, and The Who, Who's Next? So just a collection of real fucking garbage. Just real shitty albums that nobody knows or listens to. The Who? That's not even a real band. And this album? Not a hit on it. Not, not a... It's not a... I, <laughs> Okay, anyways. Never heard any of them before. Yeah, pure trash. <laughs> All right, so. First, let me go with Boingo. Since we've already done uh, a Pink Floyd album, mm-hmm. I will just give you the down and dirty on this band. Yeah, and won't go to, into a lot of detail like yeah, I did last time. For sure, yeah. So Pink Floyd were an English rock band. <laughs> You're already, already <laughs> off the rails. It's my <laughs> handwriting. Because it says form, but it looks like... For Medi? What the heck does that mean? Anyways, they're a band formed in London in 1965. They were a psychedelic pop group that were known for their extended compositions, 
sonic experimentation, philosophical lyrics, and amazing live shows. We haven't seen Pink Floyd per se, we have but we Waters. have seen Roger Waters do The Wall and... Dark Side. Dark Side, and yes, that is really... They really are amazing live shows. Um, they're one of the most commercially successful and influential bands in popular music history. A Nice Pair is a 12-album compilation album and a reissuing of their first two albums, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn mm-hmm. and A Saucer Full of Secrets. Uh, they've just put it into a new sleeve. Uh, it was released in 1973. It reached 36 on the U.S. Billboard charts and was certified gold in 1994. Yeah. This album also was their debut album. Sorry. Uh the first one. The Piper. Yeah, Piper yeah. at the Gates of Dawn. The Piper is at the Gates first, of Dawn. Was their first album. The first and second. Well, it was their first and second album, yes. And this album was the only album that they did that was under Sid Barrett's leadership. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, they kicked him out of the band between uh, the first album and the second album because of his it's a, you're drug fi- abuse. You're his, fired like quick kind of thing. His uh, mental health issues. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely... And then I found out that that's when David Gilmore actually officially joined the band. So uh, even I learned something this episode. I always assumed Gilmore was there from the start, but he wasn't. Sid Barrett was one of the original founding members. And um, David Gilmore, or David Gilmore wasn't. Yeah, exactly. So the producer of this album was Norm Smith. He was an English musician, record, record producer, and engineer. And he also worked a little bit with the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah, I see that's, that seems to remember that name. Yeah. The um, first album, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn, was actually released originally in 1967. Yeah. And um, Sid Barrett did a lot of the vocals and a lot of the writing of the songs. Yeah. On this particular Majority, album. Majority, yeah. And um, this this first song, Astronomy Domine, was uh, also called An Astral Chart. It was actually one of their very first ventures, along with the other song on this album called Interstellar Overdrive, <laughs> as their little venture into space rock. They don't like the name. They don't like that it's called that, but... Oh, no, because that's, that's a terrible what, name, but no, I... That's what the uh, <coughs> people call it. Trippin' ball music. So, Astronomy, Domine, Lucifer, Sam... I think it's Domine. But Domine? Domine? Okay. Yeah. I could be wrong. Lucifer Sam, Matilda Mother, Flaming, mm-hmm. Pow R Talk H, uh, Take Up Thy Stethoscope and Walk, Side 2 is Interstellar Overdrive, The Gnome, Chapter 24, The Scarecrow, Bike. So, like I said before, exit Sid Barrett, enter David Gilmore. Uh, so this... A Saucer Full of Secrets was actually released originally in 1968. The track listing on this album is Let There Be More Light, Remember a Day, Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun, Corporal Clegg. Side 2 is A Saucer Full of Secrets, Seesaw, and Jug Band Blues. <laughs> the entire run of, the bo- of both albums is 1 hour, 24 minutes, and 34 seconds. Yeah. Quite a trip too. Yes. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, let's get cracking. You have some thoughts. Let's... Yeah, um, I had never heard either one of these albums. No, I yeah, that's amazing to me. Definitely and I know, I know Pink Floyd as Dark Side of the Moon. They're like starting essentially after, like immediately yeah. after this, when they started Dark Side, like you said. Yeah, yeah. June. So I've known that discography forward. Oh. I love these two albums. Yeah, they're fucking awesome. I was kind of surprised because they're a little bit different. Just like more. Well, sorry to interrupt your role. I, I agree. They are. It's like a. There's more British pop, but there's more psychedelics. Yeah. It's. They kind of became more like theatrical. Like one of the I, songs. I, I have a, I'm explaining it terribly, but. One of the songs they actually um, borrowed from the Beatles, and used some of their voice effects and noises from the song "Lovely Rita." Oh, okay. And I think that was that power talk H, which, the talk H is. Was the army signal, signalers code for the Talbot House, and it was a place that hmm. enlisted and officers could go and be equals. Oh, okay. And you know, I oh weird. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm like, this has got to stand for something. The power, P O W, mm-hmm. capital R. I have no idea what that means. It wasn't. They didn't speak to that in the documentation that i read but okay the talk h is definitely talbot house okay wow neat i didn't know i i was not aware of that i'm still you know, like i still blows my mind that you had no idea of these albums and no where the flip side for me i i grew up with this i listen this was this is like part of my jam back in the day i wore like <laughs> half the wear on these albums probably just for me yeah and, and that's awesome i was so aware very much aware of this stuff I probably, and honestly, probably before the rest of the older Pink Floyd stuff, I was listening to this shit more. Uh, this and, like, metal and, uh, there's a couple of the other ones. But, uh, yeah, and, and it was, like, it was just kind of cool to pull it out. And, like, now, I mean, back then I didn't necessarily realize it was two, I thought it was just, like, one album, like, one full concept album, but I didn't realize it was two separate two albums. Yeah. 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 So, to me, they always ran together. So, and that's why Ast- Astronomy Domine and, uh... Interstellar Overdrive, set the controls, and a saucer full of secrets, like four. So that's one on each side at least. That's a fucking outstanding, amazing song, and it like anchors everybody. But it's but at the same time, it, it works better as a whole yeah. thing. Like just let it play. Yeah. If you can, I mean, like Interstellar Overdrive is well, like ten minutes long or something. Yeah, it's or a pretty long one. Long. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. This is, and that's why it blows my mind that <clears throat> you didn't, you weren't familiar with it at all. And no, because I think that was one of my comments to you when you put it on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow, this is different. I've never heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I guess if you're just familiar with the other stuff, it would be. It is a departure for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's also cool because now you have more context for. Uh, Wish you were here. Yeah. Because that, uh, you know, try on your crazy diamond and all that. It's like the post follow so that's kind of cool so like now you know more of the story just from the music well and i think i had known all of that stuff about sid barrett oh and how yeah you, you know important it. Yeah. he was to the band and how hard it was for them to now you, now you can hear him his yeah. influence in there yeah so it's uh yeah it's quite interesting and yeah like i said these are this is classic this is gold for me here yeah um so yeah i guess i gotta get to my shit now but yeah like <laughs> this is this is uh this is a good one guys and gals and other people. So, and just to mention too that a lot of for everybody, I a say. lot of the um, songs on this album were written by Sid Barrett. 
Um, he did the vocals on the majority of the, the music. And mm-hmm. um, this really was like his... His show. His Espe- show. Expe- especially uh, Piper at the Gates. Yeah. That was definitely... Yeah, yeah. He was gone by the time they did A Saucer Full of Secrets. But it still would have, like, most uh, quite a bit of it was still written by him. So, like... Uh, oh, maybe not. No. Waters and... Yeah. Oh, no. Waters, he was right, totally Waters removed work. from the band's personnel for that second album. The only one he gets credit for is Drug Band Blues. Huh, interesting. As Gilmore was mentioned on a couple of the songs in the first album... But he wasn't part of the you know he wasn't personnel of the band. yeah on the album here when you look at the the first album there's no Gilmore yeah so yeah well, I, and that's funny because I I didn't didn't know that I just thought like you said I thought he was just there from the get go yeah so it's kind of interesting to yeah. have some gaps filled in yeah so I learned a lot about yeah. uh, I thought I knew a lot about Pink Floyd but <laughs> obviously there's still more to learn so there we go always more especially right. when it comes to this stuff so a nice pair. Uh, which is a Piper. I love that title too. Well, and the cover is so brilliant too, especially when it wasn't uncensored. Because, oh, you know what? I'm going to get to it. You just take hold that cover, take it, take a look at it. So, Piper at the Gates of Dawn and a Saucer Full of Secrets, Pink Floyd, Harvest Catalog, S A A B dash one one two five seven, and then those double A's mm, that got the Canadian accent going. It S A A. Uh, Canada, 1974. And this is obviously a compilation, <laughs> compilation, compilation, um, and um, like I said, not a remaster, but a reissue of sorts. But uh, at the same time, I think an actual official release. Okay, so the condition of the cover is actually in pretty good condition. Yeah, considering. Yeah, considering and considering, I, I played it a lot. Um, I'm gonna go with good, pretty good. I said there's some fade and some conjuring, but yeah. The sleeves are also good and original. The vinyl, very good uh, condition. We played it. sounded sounded great. Didn't have any. I don't remember had any skips at all. And it's funny how. Oh, I like those colored uh, sleeves. Yeah, yeah. They are actually specifically designed for this release. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of funny how you know I've listened to this album so many times and never really kicked into my brain until we hit a certain patch of dust or debris on the album where it made at a certain part of the song it just made this kind of like dirt hit and it's just like holy shit i remember that in that spot it just like kind of snaps back into place and it's like i remember listening to this so many times just because of the way it sounded it just like yeah. a flood of nostalgia it's fucking weird awesome <laughs> um so yeah and the audio was like i said very good mostly clean and i also <clears throat> i also broke broke the needle so we didn't get through all the albums <laughs> don't ask on, on the record player yeah, on the, oh yeah yeah so, on, the on the turntable yeah so um yeah so the cover by hip our good buddies hypnosis, hypnosis. yes and and give specifically to credit to uh richard evans and no not the richard evans you think there's actually a different richard evans that <laughs> designed this album cover can there possibly be two in this world okay so hypnosis i'll just give you the the low low down the dirty uh hypnosis was was an english art design group based in london that specialized in creating album cover art for bands such as pink floyd black sabbath zepp elo acdc and on and on they own your fucking childhood uh, adulthood and, and adulthood yes <laughs> and, and in the best way possible in that they created all these iconic images that we all know and love so much yeah. um <clears throat> and i didn't i'm pretty sure we've talked about richard evans before on probably the other pink floyd or within the hypnosis group so i'm not i'm not going to go over it again because we've talked about all these guys yeah. but I, so what i'll do is i'll shift over to giving some 
some lowdown about the album cover uh, instead. So the, co- uh, the cover consists of four, I, I wrote down as four grids of nine small, yeah, it would be four grids of nine small images, some of which were previously rejected album covers. Uh, several, several images depicted a well-known phrase of saying, uh, a well-known phrase of saying in the form of a visual pun. So hence a nice pear. There's a kettle of a nice kettle of fish. There's uh, so that kind of stuff. Like there's meaning yeah. within the pictures. A fork in the road, stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, this album being part of the initial run. This album that we have, this copy right here, was part of the initial run and has the, the correct dentist photo, W R Fang, which was removed in uh, later versions as a dentist actually objected to being on the. Because there was some rule in the NHS and the National Healthcare System in in the UK where dentists who worked under the system couldn't advertise, and it was so <laughs> so he was worried about getting in shit. Oh, that's awesome! So in later versions, they changed it to be a more generic dental sign. They actually there was there's like four or five different versions of that, but oh, this cool. this is the original one. Yeah, there's some really neat photos on here. Um, Hunt it out. Search it out, people. Yeah, so this was the band's next official release following Dark Side of the Moon. So actually, Dark Side was out before, like, these were the first albums, but in really, in North America, these were packaged up directly after Dark Side when they became super massive. And then so they were like, oh, here's our original first couple albums. Oh, that's a smart way to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, they got some impressive... uh... They're not stupid. People working with it. No, they're not. Uh, Pink Floyd has been a master at. Also, uh, the note: uh, this this release, this print is. I mean, is definitely out of print. You can't. There's no more of this copy out there with that Ooh, cover. I'm, I'm surprised it's not worth more. I agree with you. Maybe it just happened somewhat recently. I don't know. Um, so uh, I'm gonna go down with some my notes and shit. All right. As I just said, heavy rotation back in the day. Um, I just can't. I can't believe how much. Like I, I can clearly remember listening to this album and enjoying the shit out of it. You know, props to younger me. Um, yeah, a staple. Like I said, a lot of classics on there. I, I, I named the four that I would give you right off the top. If you want to go, just listen to those right away. Go listen to them. But give the whole albums a spin as well. Um, yeah, you got Both more. albums, yeah. You, you got more to uh, do here, but yeah, that's that's I'm wrapping up for me. Okay. Just I was just repeating myself there. So, Def, uh, Discogs has seven of this album for sale, of this version, from mm-hmm. $15. 158 people have this version, 63 people want it. Uh, 4.5, or 4 out of 5 in the ratings department with 17 ratings. And it goes for sell, resales for 26 2720 or $34, depending on the... Yeah, I'm surprised. And it was hard to find this one, too. There was so many versions of this. It took a while. This is probably one of the harder ones to research to find the right Canadian version. And I'm with you. I'm surprised there isn't... um, It isn't worth worth more? Yeah, worth more. because Just because it's out of print, and it's a pretty rare first run. Is this the one that you said that you found... Other versions sold for a lot more. Yeah, 135 or 150 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Oh, that's crazy, given that this has all the original yeah. photos on it and stuff. Oh, no no doubt. So what do you got? I'm going to give it 5 out of 5. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that one. 5 out of 5 for the whole thing, for both albums. Yeah, yeah. 5 out of 5 all around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, holy shit, yeah. And, yeah, I strongly suggest... Please, people. if you're a Pink Floyd fan, 
and you don't already know these even two if albums, you're yeah even if you're past a pink floyd fan check them out for sure man okay okay so uh Pink Floyd down. Pink Floyd down. Yeah, yeah. I don't have it right here in my hand, so that's. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm still looking at the photos. Okay. Matt the Hoople, all the young dudes. Uh, Matt the Hoople are an English rock band popular in the glam era, of the early to mid '70s. They were formed in 1966 under a different name. And um, they put out a couple of albums and were just in the midst of breaking up. Yeah. When David Bowie came along, and he'd been a longtime fan of theirs, so he heard they were going to break up, and he persuaded them to stay together, and he offered them his song, Suffragette City, which they turned down. They turned down. Oh, my God. Oh, can't believe you turned down. David Bowie comes strolling in, got his dick in his hand. He's twirling. He's like, hey, guys, I'm yeah. going to fucking produce. Not only am I going to fucking produce an album, I'm going to give you a song, a massive hit. Just because I like you guys. It probably wasn't a well. It wasn't a known song. Well, at not the time. then, but if is David Bowie comes strolling in and they're like, no thanks. But okay, he did. He did offer them all the young dudes. Oh, okay, which <laughs> they accepted. Mm-hmm. They recorded it, and it became the biggest hit for them of all time. Oh, yeah, that's a great song. Uh, all the young dudes is their fifth studio album released in 1972. Um, it was the turning point for the band. In 2003, the album was ranked 491 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. Mm-hmm. When the list was revisited in 2012, they ranked it at 484. So it actually moved up the list. Moved up, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, it's, it went to number 21 in the UK and number 89 on the US charts. So, I'm, glad yeah. I'm glad it moved up. Yeah, they go from, you know, almost breaking up to having the most successful album, thanks to David Bowie. Yeah, Bowie. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like Doug said, David Bowie actually produced the album as well. Yeah, sorry, that was kind of a spoiler, sorry. No big. Okay. No big, which was kind of cool. Yeah. I wonder I, how many albums he actually, other than his own, of course. Other than his own, yeah. But I, I wonder I how many albums he produced for other bands. Yeah, could you imagine just having somebody like that roll on? I mean, even in this... Wait, sorry, what year did you say the album was? The album came out in oh, 1972. Yeah. Bowie was definitely already hit. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah, and to have him come along and just save like, your soul, right? Yeah, just be like, hey guys, got you covered. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, I this. like your band. <laughs> Here, let me help you out. No, David Bowie, we don't like this one song. What else you got? <laughs> It's okay, Amy. It's like it's also that song ended up on well, essentially, as far as I'm concerned, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, rock album, especially glam rock album in Ziggy Stardust. So, yeah. fuck whatever. Yeah. Somebody made it, and it's great. So the track listing, uh, first side, first song, "Sweet Jane," written by Lou Reed. Lou Reed, yeah, right away. So that well, can't hurt either. Hello, Velvet Underground. Yeah. Uh, Mama's Little Jewel, "All the Young Dudes," written by Bowie. Mm-hmm. Sucker. And Jerk and Crocus. Jerk and Crows. Crocus. It is Crocus, eh? Yeah. Okay. I gotta try and write better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, side two is One of the Boys, Soft Ground, Ready for Love slash Afterlights, and Sea Diver. The entire run of the album is or 40 minutes and 57 seconds. Very different song list on the album. Yeah, there were three solo or three singles released. No, I'm just mean in the order you read them. It's not the same on the album. Oh. On here, it's Sweet Jane, 
One of the boys, Sucker, Mama's Little Jewel, Jerk and Crocus. Second side is All the Young Dudes, Ready for Love, Sea Diver, and Soft Ground. Wow. So I got that from Wikipedia. That's okay. Like I, this is, once again, we're talking about an album, just like all the other albums that have hundreds of different releases, and dozens at the very least. So I'm not surprised that's changed. This is Canadian. We usually did get different versions in the U.S., or different orders in the U.S. anyway, so that's probably why. So the singles that were released from this album were Sweet Jane. Oh, yeah. All the Young Dudes, of course. It went to number three in the U.K. and 37 in the U.S., and a song, One of the Boys, mm-hmm. went to 96, pardon me, on the UK charts. Oh, wow. Uh, context for this album is the one before was called Brain Capers, and it was released in 1971. And the album after this was Rock and Roll Queen, 1972. Hmm. And that would be definitely their last one, I would think. I'm pretty sure. I think they're still together today. Not in that form. You'll, and I'll, no, not I'll, in that I'll, form. I'll explain why in a, in a bit. But, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so we're done that part. So, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start. This is this album is, is it's fucking great again. Like, here we are. We're just reviewing my childhood albums. This is all we're doing. This is all fantastic. This is the stuff I used to listen to growing up. I used to drop the needle on this shit all the time. Um so right away, Sweet Jane, boom, Lou Reed, Velvet Underground cover. And actually, this is probably my favorite version of this song. Of all the versions out there, because Cowboy Junkies did a good version. But this one, to me, is my favorite. And uh, even outside of All the Young Dudes and Ready for Love, which are amazing songs, uh, the album itself, I wasn't necessarily, I don't remember necessarily remember the songs, which is weird, but it was a good album from like start to finish. It was a good album. It sounded good. So, what do you? What's your take on there, Angel Pie, who's put up your computer? <laughs> oh, I'm just looking at Moth the Hoople. Um, they are still together today. They're okay. still doing stuff. Okay. I'm not sure of the iteration and who's in it still, but yeah, I I really like this album as well. Yeah, I mean, all the young dudes is such a great song. Moth the Hoople is one of the bands that I remember hearing about in my younger days, but I, I'm all I know of them are their hits. And I know that Bowie used uh, R.I.P. Bowie, man. Oh, my God. Uh, All the Young Dudes, I think he still played that one as his own, too. Yeah. I'm sure he obviously writes to it, but he still played that one. Yeah, like I said, this whole album is worth it. And anybody out there who wants some good... I mean, All the Young Dudes, I, I say glam rock, another really good kind of like hard glam rock album. Like, it's it's a little less poppy, than something other glam rock, but that's kind of where I'd almost put this, and it's fucking awesome. Go listen to it. <laughs> Agreed. Okay, uh, I guess I'm on to me now. Yeah. I'm just gonna go take a look real quick. Yeah. So there was some. It's funny. I have record controversy controversy uh, about this, and I now I don't have any other notes, and I can't remember why. Oh, because okay. So the story was with this album, all the young dudes. They were still, and they have. It's never been proven in court, but there's still. I think there's still litigation going on about this. But they actually recorded a bunch of this stuff under when they were still with their last the label beforehand. Yes. And they did a bunch of tracks. Yes. And then they put this album out under the new label, and the old label's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, I think that they released it as a single first. Single first, yes, yes. And then they ended yes. up putting it on this album. Yes. So the single went with the other. So that's okay. Record company. I do remember reading that, and then. They put it on this album, so... Uh, apparently, it's still a point of contention to this day. 
<laughs> uh, okay, all the young dudes. This is an original pressing. Uh, Moth the Hoople, Columbia, Catalog, KC31750, Canada 72. Cover poor, broken, faded. Uh, it's like I call it almost an unintentional gatefold in that it's so broken down. Uh, the sleeve is uh, plain paper. It's also in poor condition. The vinyl, oddly enough, is it was in good condition. We listened to it. It sounded really good. Scratch-free. It's fucking always amazes me that when you have the outside cover destroyed and the sleeve destroyed, the album's it's fine. It's good. It's kind of the uh, kind of the one good thing here, I guess. Uh, on the audio uh, for for being old and something that I've listened to thoroughly, uh, the audio was good. And solid low end, I could hear that bass thumping away, and uh, separation, sound field, all that. So the sleeve in concept, a uh, sleeve concept in art direction is by a gentleman named Mick Rock, which I'm pretty sure we've had in the show before. And the color retouching on the image in the front is done by George Underwood, which we have definitely covered on the show before. So Mick is an English photographer, best known for taking iconic images of rock music legends as uh, Queen, Bowie, Trex, Sid Barrett. And now I'm going to pause right here for the Sid Barrett thing because uh, this Mick guy, Mick Rock, he was the last one to do like a, ma a big photo shoot with Sid Barrett. And one of the images is actually on the album that uh, for, it was for, not Piper, it's Saucer Full of Secrets. Uh, hold on a sec here. There, this one here is from the photo shoot he did with Mick Rock. The one where he's sitting in the room with like the, all the lines and the, the yeah. shadows and shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that is one of the photo sessions that he did that he's well known for. Mm. Uh, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, continued on long, you know, everybody. Often referred to as the man who shot, oh, the man who shot the 70s, uh, creating the most memorable shots of Bowie as Ziggy Stardust. And that's while he was working as Bowie's official photog, you know, the one where it's like, he's got the Ziggy's, the lightning. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. this guy. Yeah. So Rock is uh, so well-respected as a photog that in 2001, when he published his book called Psychedelic Renegades, he convinced Sid Barrett to do an autograph, to do, uh, yeah, he, to do a series of, uh, autograph a series of 320 books. Sorry, I wanted to make sure I got that right. So that was the first time Sid Barrett had done anything since he left Pink Floyd and gone to the mental health. Yeah, 2001 was the first time he went out and did anything music-related, and that was just the wow. signed, signed books that had his photos in it. Oh, that's so, cool. That would be a keeper. No shit, hey, holy crap. <laughs> and and George Underwood, he's been on the show before uh, a few times. Hunky Dory, uh, Ziggy Stardust. Uh, he's a British artist, musician, best known for designing album covers and punching Bowie in the eye and giving him the, the pupil thing. So not only did he help them out giving them a song or two, he also lined them up with all of his brilliant designers for their album cover oh, yeah. and things like that. Oh yeah, that's fucking crazy. Like all these guys, yeah, they How all knew each other succeed? and grow up and hang out and play music in the same places. Yeah, it's So one of the things that I've looked here, it says um the years that Mott the Hoover was active, nineteen sixty nine to eighty, and then it says twenty twenty to present. Twenty twenty to present. And twenty twenty is the present. Um they had reunions in two thousand and nine, twenty thirteen, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen they still tour, and there are none of the original members in whatever's touring these days. Yeah, of course, because uh, as my last note will be, uh, Ready for Love, in particular from this song, was reworked by Mick Ralph, 
it was lead guy who went for his next band, Bad Company. He left Moth yeah. Hoople to do Bad Company. Do Bad Company. So Ready for Love became Feel Like Making Love. Same song. Boom. Been reworked. Boom. New hit for the new band. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> go listen. So That's go just how incestuous. Ready... The, uh... <laughs> go listen to Ready for Love and go listen to the oh, yeah, Bad Company. I can it's like, I already right know. Away, it's like, boom. <laughs> I see all the... Uh... The variations. Okay. So what else you got for us? So Discogs uh, has seven for sale right now from $5.75. Uh, 634 people on the platform have this version. Mm. 90 people want it. The average rating is 4.18 out of 5 with 45 people offering up the ratings. Um, to the resale value, $7.75, $17.22 or $26.27, depending on the condition. Now, see, this would be one of those ones that if you have a great cover, if your cover's in good condition, you needed the vinyl, this is a great vinyl, terrible cover. So if if you ever bought this one, you'd be buying it for the vinyl. The vinyl, yeah. Never fucking give this up, so. Ah. (laughs) See you in hell, motherfuckers. (laughs) Um, Rating. I give a four to five out of five. 4.5? 4, 4.5? 4.5, okay. yeah, out of 5. I'm a 5. And you're a 5. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh my god, yes. This is so influential in my life. It's unbelievable. Yeah, um, it's one I would listen to again, for sure. And it's stuff I've already... I've added a couple of the songs to our classic rock list, I'm pretty sure. Oh, neat. Yeah. Good, good, good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay mop, so mop the hoople down. Yeah, the hoople's are down. Which, oh, sorry, I'm going to say, we never did find out what the term hoople. I just meant it like... I thought it meant like drughead, druggy... Not like not crackhead, but like a, title a heroin book. thing. A hoople? Mott the hoople. Mott the yeah, I think the you whole thing what? is I don't Mott know the why hoople. Did, I don't know why I just didn't realize it to the second that we never even, I never even looked it up. I'm pretty sure that I read it that somewhere in my it's okay. not, journeys. Not, okay, oh well. That's a different episode of, hey, let's do an episode of just like shit we forgot. <laughs> All right, so. Okay, I'm just listening. The next album <laughs> is The Who. Who's next? Who's next, baby? The Who are an English rock band formed in London in 1964. Who's Next is their fifth studio album released in 1971. The album was an immediate success and has been voted or viewed by many as The Who's best record. Oh, yeah. And one of the greatest albums of all time. Easy. Um, it went to number one on the UK charts, four in the US charts, five in Canada. It's three times platinum in the US. Um, in 2003, the Rolling Stone magazine ranked the album 28th on its list of 500 greatest albums of all time. It maintained that listing when the list was revisited in 2012. Okay. Yeah. It's also on that in that book that I had a hard time talking about last time. 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Oh, yeah, yeah. It did not say what spot it had, but okay. it's in that book. Oh, it better be. The producers were The Who. Uh, they also had three executive producers on the album. Kit Lambert, who is also their manager. A fellow by the name of Chris Stamp, who worked with The Who and Jimi Hendrix. And Pete Cameron, who worked with The Who and The Mamas and the Papas. The track listing. Side one, Bubba O'Reilly, mm-hmm. which I always want to call Bubba Ganoush. <laughs> uh, bargain. Love Ain't For Keeping, My Wife, The Song Is Over, Side 2, Getting In Tune, Going Mobile, Behind Blue Eyes, You Won't Get Fooled Again. No good songs. 
The runtime of this album is 43 minutes and 38 seconds. There were three singles released. Really? Just three? Yep, yeah, just three. Bubba O'Reilly, Behind Blue Eyes, and Won't Get Fooled Again. Hmm. Um, I could not find anywhere where they ended up on the charts as singles. Oh, wow. That's Usu- weird. There yeah, usually so it's, much information usually in it's embedded in the bottom yeah. where, where all the record information is. Yeah, where all the, the credit, like the info source information is. Yeah, yeah totally. none there oh. for those three singles. Huh. Have to say, though, a lot of these other songs uh, we know. It's like hit after hit after hit. It, yeah, it's just a wall, a wall of everything you know if you grew up any time in the last while, especially if you ever listened to the radio or a rock station or classic rock station as it became. It's everything. I mean, once again, this is <laughs> this is shit that I listened to from my childhood. Thoroughly fucking wore this album out. I uh, had it on CD eventually, but uh, it's just one you put on from the beginning, and it's just, holy shit, your next song comes on, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, and just turn it up. I have to say, too, I've never really been a huge Who fan. Keith Moon, all crazy on the drums. But uh, doing these reviews and stuff, I've really kind of got a new appreciation Hmm. for them. Yeah, it's like balls out. Kind of almost prog rock album to some degree. Because some of those songs are a little bit long and they have some nice, you know, the the typical prog progression. Oh, I I fucking love this album. This is is one of the, the, one of the musts owns or must listens for sure this is i, I agree with that 100 percent. So. one of my favorite songs on this album and it's not a single but it's the song is over oh hmm. it's uh there's just something very soft about it yeah it's uh yeah this whole album and it's just it's well designed in the way the songs are laid out on the album too oh yeah everything about it <clears throat> I, so so no, go ahead, ahead. No, I'm, I'm i was gonna say for some context I'm done. The album that they released before this was Live at Leeds in 1970, and I love this title, the one after, Meaty, Beady, Big and Bouncy. Oh, okay. In 1971. So that's hmm. that's where Who's Next falls. And I don't think that one's in here. Between those two. I don't think that one's in here. So, Who's Next? The Who. This is a reissue. Uh, <laughs> MCA Records, catalog, MCA-2023, Canada 73. Um, the cover, I put it fair. It says, well, it's not ripped. It, it is well worn and faded, but it's all right. Fair is good. Sleeve is good. It's just a MCA sleeve from back in the day. It's fine. Uh, the vinyl is good. It played. There was no big scratches, but like I said, at the point we had a broken needle. So I think we only got through half this one and then everything else was on Spotify. So yeah, don't break your needle. Uh, where was I? Now I've lost it. Yeah, <laughs> that's literally my quote for the, for the for the audio. I said excellent up until I broke the needle. <laughs> uh, uh, people want you wondering why I broke just because I was trying to make adjustments um, to the speed because there's just like the album or the turntable slowly dying, and every once in a while I gotta turn up the speed just a little bit. And uh, obviously somewhere in my travels I <laughs> did not secure things well. And it's a pretty new needle too. I'm uh, fairly new. I'd say. In the- couple months old yeah so uh album design by john kosh who we've definitely talked about in the show before and photography by ethan russell who we have absolutely talked about in the show before and at least ethan russell i know that i follow on both both instagram accounts my personal and the reviews from the crawl space a uh, john kosh i can't remember i don't know why we wouldn't but i'm gonna say we do okay and if i'm wrong whatever who cares i'll take that okay john 
Simply known as Kosh is an English art director, album album cover designer, and graphic artist. On a show recently with ELO, uh, worked with uh, Trex, Spinal Tap, and Bob Dylan. I'm pretty sure everybody ever alive worked with Trex at one point. T-Rex, they, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, T-Rex. Some people, people won't know the okay, inside fair, joke fair, about fair enough, it being enough. from Edgar Wright's it, movie. Yeah, okay, T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be related to every fucking thing we've done. At some point, the artist has worked on or with T-Rex at some point. It's amazing. Or Humble Pie. Those are the two. Oh, crazy. Uh, so, I, I, that's I, that's it for him, because we've talked about him before. And EthanRussell.com, multi-Grammy nominee, uh, photographer and film director, 120 credits to his name, worked with the Beatles, Rolling Stones, Moody Blues, Boz Gags, uh, and also worked on The Who's Quadrophenia, which we also covered. So the cover um, of this album, a photo, boom, taking at Eastington Collier, Collier, Collieri, how, that place in Nanaimo, the dam. Collery. Okay, Collery, there, boom. That's, so that's what it's supposed to be taken at Eastington Collery, uh, of the band having just peed on a large con- concrete piling protruding from a slag heap. Oh, hilarious, yeah, I just noticed that three of the four of them are just doing their bands up. Yeah. <laughs> and I see the piss streams. Yeah. That reminds me of the thing from A Boy and His Dog. Yeah, totally, yeah. The, the little tunnel that he went into the underworld. Yeah, wow, holy crap, yeah, totally. Wow, that's weird that you would connect those two things. I mean, that's awesome, but that's totally what it looks like. I mean, this was done in the UK and the other was done in the U. but I know exactly what you mean. It's exactly because it would look like the door would be, huh. Yeah. And I always found, I always thought this was interesting because that's such a disgusting landscape. This is a slag heap, right? So it's, it's just like this fucking wasteland uh, yeah it looks like a and so that's funny that you would think the same thing volcanic waste gown waste so according to ethan yeah. the photographer only townsend had actually peed on the wall the others were just uh just water splashed onto the surface and the sky in the background was added later to give the scene an otherworldly feel which it does it kind of looks like it's taken on the moon yes well, that's what i thought too yeah. yeah totally and he did the back photo so there we go. And for me, like I said, um, that's a heavy rotation back in the day. Greatest, One of the greatest rock albums, Crank It Up Fuckers. What do you got? Um, one for Discogs has one for sale from $12. 344 people have this version. Hmm. 205 people want it. Uh, it was rated with 17 reviews, 4.59 out of 5. Mm-hmm. The resale value is $2.97. $12.74 or $16.19 depending on its condition. Wow. So would you give it? 4.5 out of 5. Well, 5 for me. It's funny, you know. I think this is my first all five day. We've had a run of really good albums, you know. Yeah, a high percentage of. Records have been. High percentage of classic must listen to albums. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how that ebbs and flows. And I have a feeling. Oh, I have a feeling that in the coming weeks we're going to see some of that diminish a little bit. Oh, I can't, I can't, yeah, I can't be uh, all, it can't, it can't be, be all, all pink fruit. <laughs> no, there's, there's definitely some, 
a Krista Berg and shit coming out not too oh far away. And I'm, and I'm talking whole episodes of that shit. God. Oh, yeah, isn't there one where there, because you've been kind of peeking at Well, yeah, I go, because every once bit. in a while I take a peek through to make sure there's no duplicates, because I have found duplicates coming yeah. up, so I, that's every once in a while. I don't rearrange them, I don't plan on doing things, I just look for, I know albums that we've done already, or weren't part of the original collection, yeah. so. and you have the memory to be able to know that, whereas yes. <laughs> me, I'd go, don't, oh, uh, yeah. we'd be doing it three, four times. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, yeah, I'd kind of like snuck a little bit, we're talking... We're talking a couple months, probably in fall, but there's going to be some real... <laughs> sludgy episodes? Sludgy episodes. That's what we're talking about, like Krista Berg. It's going to be... It'll be fun. They'll be short. Yeah, short. If you're looking forward to short episodes, we've got some coming up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything you want to add? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Thanks for listening, people. Bye. <laughs>